1: Back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Listening to who? Always wonderful a host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website. It's thomas 24myportfoliocom On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we got a different kind of episode and one that... Means a lot to me, honestly. It's a Black History Month roundtable with a couple of other hosts at the Locked On Podcast Network, joined by the host of Locked On Buckeyes and Locked On Devils. So, hope you guys stay tuned and don't turn off this podcast because I think it's really important. It's an uncomfortable conversation and it's some an open dialogue about protests in sports, specifically what we've seen this past season, this past year with the Black Lives Matter movement. Has protests in sports actually enacted change? How has it been challenged? And we get into some real deep conversations about it. So, hope you guys stay tuned and don't miss out on this one. Because talking about race is not something that I normally do. It's something that I struggle with and... Being able to have this conversation with some other people of color at the Lockdown Podcast Network honestly meant a lot to me, and I hope I could continue to do a roundtable like this in the future. I think we got some more planned in the future as well, so hope you guys stay right there and you guys tune into this one because it's an important one. But first... If your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked On Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, I read to the most reasonable around. Email me at lockedondiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. Now let's get into that conversation about race and protests in sports.
0: Locked On presents More Than The Game.
1: Welcome to Locked On presents More Than The Game. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of all Black people in sports. This is part three of a weekly series of interviews, conversations, and roundtables covering opportunity, activism, protests, and Black history in sports. Today, we're discussing protests in sports, What protests has helped to achieve not only the sporting world, but society as a whole. How it's been challenged and prevailed. And why it's important that it continues to be present and on display. Yeah, Miller Thomas here of Locked On Diamondbacks. You can follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24. Or look up Locked On Diamondbacks on Twitter Instagram to find the podcast handle.
0: Jay Stevens here of Locked on Buckeyes. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Jay Stevens07. That is 07. That is J-A-Y-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S, the number zero, and then the number seven as well. Follow the podcast at Locked on Buckeye. That is no S at the end. Uh, coming at you with a fresh episode every Monday through Friday. Trey Matthews,
2: host of Locked on Devils. Uh, follow me at treymat 4 on Twitter, so T-R-E-Y-M-A-T-T, and then the number four. And also follow my show, Lock On Devils.
0: Protests in sports have helped to achieve, especially in the collegiate ranks uh, or level, it's helped people, it's helped to achieve people opening their eyes to what's been going on for a long time um, no one wants to a lot of people don't want to acknowledge the wrong that some people do maybe uh directly or indirectly sometimes they're subconsciously doing things just because they've been doing them their entire lives uh, but it's really just helped people open their eyes to something that's been here for as long as the country's been here
1: yeah and like jay said. I think it's really just helped awareness and exposure. It's kind of brought it to the forefront of conversations because now we're having these conversations in sports and it's not just conversations, you know, that we have off the field. Now we're having it on the field. And before it was always like trying to separate the two, but now we've brought those uncomfortable conversations into the landscape of sports. And I think it just led to more open dialogue and more open conversation. And like Jay was saying, I think more people have woken up. I've seen more of my friends really taken accountability and really taking notice of what's going on in the past year. And I think it's really opened up a lot of eyes. So I would probably say that's the biggest thing, the biggest changes led to, and we've seen it actually lead to tangible changes, honestly, in the WNBA. I think they've been a real big proponent of this. We've seen the Atlanta dream owner, Kelly Loeffler. She was running for Senate in Georgia and her team basically endorsed her opponent, Democrat, uh, Rafael Warnick, I believe, if I'm saying that correctly. So I think that was really cool. Now she's selling the team. We've seen the Seattle Storm publicly endorse Joe Biden. So I think now that we're having these uncomfortable conversations in uh, the landscape of sports, I, I think it's led to a lot of open dialogue and led to a lot of healthy, uncomfortable, uh, a lot of healthy, uncomfortable conversations.
2: So uh, going based off what they said, I know the NHL was kind of late to the table, but when you saw it in the bubble when they were doing the pregame ceremonies, when they followed in the NBA's footsteps of just uh, postponing a playoff game in the wake of what happened with uh, Jacob Blake. You know, you kind of saw that the NHL was willing to, uh, I guess, just overall, I guess, listen and just try to take uh, part in what was going on so that way they worked the odd man out so that way you know they didn't get any uh scrutiny or whatever the case might be and you know we we do see these protests happening among sports and the one thing i just say is like you know that's uh that's part of uh what can you know make change but don't let it be the only thing you do like you know make sure you do the work behind the scenes to see change because protesting is Uh, In my opinion, you know, it's not the only thing you can do. Like there's a lot of other stuff you could do, but people just don't notice it and people just don't see it. But it goes on behind the scenes and it just starts with you taking that initiative. So, you know, what we saw in the NHL, um, uh, PK Subban donated a lot of uh, money to George Floyd's uh, foundation. And, you know, we, we, we saw just him just trying to, you know, take leadership and change the game. You know, he wears on his hat all the time. And, you know, um, I recently interviewed uh, Curtis Gabriel, who's a huge advocate for uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, LGBTQ community, uh, mental health in the NHL. And he currently plays for the San Jose Sharks, former Devils player, great guy. Um, you know, we saw he, he, he expressed, like, you know, sometimes – You know, uh, I I don't know what made me want to, but he said he wanted to pick up a torch and just or whatever the case might be. And just, you know, be a part of the solution, because he said that he had lived a very, you know, normal life. You know, he said, like being a heterosexual, uh, cisgender uh, white guy who plays hockey. And he says that's a problem because he's naive to it but he wanted to learn more about it. So I think the thing with protests and things of that nature is just like people wanting to just learn more and just try to take part of it. And maybe even in the NHL, even if most of them don't endorse Joe Biden, you know, I don't know how many of them do, but, you know, I'm going to say a handful of them won't really vote Democrat, but, you know, at the same time, you know, I think they said we're willing to, to listen even if we don't agree,
0: I know one thing that when you think about protesting and conversations that have been had and people taking action, I remember when I played sports, um, didn't play past the high school level, but I do remember if there was somebody that was doing something racially that was wrong, we would can't handle that stuff in house. Well, not harshly, but you you reprimand them. You say things you got to say. I mean, we're kids, kids say things that kids say. Well, I think the conversations that are have that are had in locker rooms, that's what's happening outside and I don't know if this would have happened in a normal year if all if if Jacob Blake and the other things that happened during the year, if it was just a normal year, no virus, people are living their normal lives, if people would have gone ahead and said, "Oh, let's go ahead and pause our lives to have this conversation and to protest things that are wrong." I don't know, but it is it is amazing that in an odd time we're having conversations that may be odd to some people that aren't, they don't care about sports, but they're looking at sports and saying, wait, they're stopping. They're looking and trying to do certain things to better, not just themselves, but their communities and the country. Maybe we could do the same thing with what we're doing in our lives right now.
1: Yeah. And like you said, I think the pandemic definitely helped bring this message out only because So many people's lives were on pause. A lot of people weren't working. A lot of people were at home. So seeing these messages, seeing what was going on over the summer, it was just in the forefront of everyone's minds. And you kind of just had to be a part of it just because there wasn't a lot else to do. And so it made people got so into it because they started reading up on it. They started looking more into it. And I think if there wasn't a pandemic, I don't know how many people would have taken that time to look more into these issues and really start having these conversations. So I think the pandemic has definitely Led to some of this progress that we do have actually. And to also piggyback off the point that Trey made about protests and needing to lead that to action, we saw four time WNBA champion Maya Moore leave her sport to go help criminal justice reform. And I'm not saying all athletes have to go retire from their sport, but we need to see more tangible action like that. We've seen players in the NFL like Malcolm Jenkins doing some tangible action as well. So as long as these protests are also leading to tangible changes and tangible actions, I think that's probably the most important thing that we need to need to happen.
2: You know, going based off what you guys said and talking about the pandemic, I saw a lot of narratives change saying, like, if you go woke, you go broke or that kind of thing. And I just wanted to tell people, listen, due to the pandemic, we saw a lot of sports scheduling just club together. So you know, I think the problem was is not they were going woke. I think it's just that there was just too many sports on at one time. Like some sports were competing with other sports that they normally wouldn't compete with. So it's like, you know, um, you know, uh, I think at one point all four of the major sports were playing at one point because like when the NBA playoffs were going on, I think the World Series was also going on. And then uh, I think the NFL was uh, starting to kickstart their season. And then you had the NHL did um, uh, you had the NHL? Like, you know, I think they were, I think they were just done with their uh, season. So, you know, you had, um, so, you know, I saw the narrative just saying like, go, woke, go bro kind of thing. And I just want to tell people, you probably want to look at the full story. I, in fact, I did an episode surrounding that. So, you know, the, the one thing I just want to tell people is like, I think the problem was there was just too much sports. So, you know, just sit back and think, cause like, if it wasn't a pandemic, and, you know, uh, sports were having their normal scheduling, I think the narrative would be a lot different.
1: We'll continue that conversation in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Bilt Bar because Bilt Bar is back, more improved, and more delicious than ever before. They have 18 amazing flavors and six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake and apple almond crisp. And if you like the cookie dough chunk, Bilt Bar, then you'll love the new coconut brownie chunk. It's dark chocolate, it's coconut, and real brownie chunks. It doesn't get any better than this, and it's only for a limited time. So you have to get it today because it could be gone tomorrow. And remember, guys, Bilt Bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're both soft and easy to chew. So go to BiltBar.com, use that promo code LOCKEDON, and you can get 20% off your next order. That's BiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON at BiltBar.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts your car will ever need in a traditional chain store front. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need, rockauto.com. Yeah, I think you could definitely see how it's been challenged dating back to like with Colin Kaepernick and this past year with Donald Trump basically calling him out and calling NFL players out, you know, SOBs who did kneel during the flag anthem and other just conservative outlets kind of taking that message and running with it because so many people, they were looking more at the action that what they were doing with the kneeling during the flag and the anthem, instead of listening to the message and I I think we just have to separate the two. I think it's okay if you don't like the kneeling during the flag and you can have personal values and personal convictions about what the flag and what the Anthem means to you, as long as you're still listening to the message of what people are saying and you understand where they're coming from. I think we can both share our two perspectives of why you might not like me kneeling during the flag, as long as you understand my perspective of why I'm actually doing it. So
2: uh, I think the challenge is just like what you said, which is just, you know, just trying to get people to understand what it's about. And, you know, I play college sports. I play I play baseball right now. And most of my teammates, in fact, uh, yeah, pretty much all my teammates are white and, uh, you know, very conservative. One time I did a poll, like, as to who they were voting for, I couldn't find not one Biden supporter. So it was just like, sometimes it's hard to explain those kind of things, especially when uh, I am one of the few, Persons of color on the team and I, and i also had a cousin on the team but he said he didn't vote so you know that that's also an issue mm-hmm. um uh, and he didn't even want to make the initiative to vote and so the thing is is that you know when we're when i was in that environment sometimes it was hard to explain and uh personally i don't i don't kneel for the anthem be, but, you know, I don't have a problem if someone does it because, you know, it's not about the uh, it's not about the flag. So Colin Kaepernick quoted saying, like, you know, he feels like the military's work goes in vain when when, um, you know, America's not holding up their end of the bargain. He literally said that. So it's just like it's not about the military. It's not about the flag. It's not about any of that. It's just like he he even says like he he's sort of kind of doing this for the military because it's like their work is going in vain, so it's like I don't know what I have to convince people, saying like, you know, you know, just like, it's not about the flag or anything. Sometimes people are very headstrong about their opinions, and sometimes it's a good thing, but sometimes it's uh, hard to get through to them, you know, and uh, that's what I just want people to know, which is like, um, eh, you know, the thing with protests, it's always going to be a challenge. I can't think of one protest in the history of the United States where it wasn't a challenge. So, you know, the thing, the thing is like when you're protesting, when you're doing things of that nature, just, just uh, know it's going to be an uphill battle because you're going to get a lot of people who are against it. So it's just like, yeah, that's, that's the thing with just protests is just uh, overall. uh, It's never going to be easy.
0: One thing in sports that we all love is, how people overcome a challenge or what happens when things are challenged. And we kind of expect that with protest, no matter if it's what's going on now, what went on during the civil rights movement, any period of time, if there's a, when there's a challenge, if something's going on to stop something that's wrong from happening, it's going to be challenged and it's expected to a lot of it. You could say, well, maybe there are those older people that are stuck in their ways. Well, there's people older, older generation, that are teaching the younger generation what the older generation was learning when they were growing up. So you could say, yeah, well, they're stuck in their ways because that's what they know. Yes. We all know something. We all learn things every single day about ourselves, about life, about a lot of things we may not even realize we are learning at that time, but at the same time, when we oppose something, we're going to get challenged, but how do we overcome that? How do we stop that? I do like that. The players, collegiate players, I believe Clemson, they marched a little bit. Um, Nick Saban marched with his players. Remember there was an Oklahoma State player, I think Kylan Hill, who was um, uh, ch- protesting um, the flag in the state of Mississippi. And things that sometimes we don't even think about, there's going to be opposition. How do you respond to that opposition when no know in sports there's going to be athletes, there's going to be coaches, um, people, medical staff that are going to be challenged just for anything? Well, you're challenged for something, because of something that should not happen at, at all, you're going to be challenged in. I do like from what I've seen so far where there's a lot of players that maybe were on the, maybe were indifferent, maybe didn't know that what they were doing was wrong. When, the, when they, uh, at first that they challenged the protest and challenged people step, standing up for what they're standing up for, their tone has changed. They've backed down and they realize, oh, maybe I wasn't the problem. Maybe I wasn't doing anything wrong but I can do things to assist people to change their mindset.
1: Yeah, and I think a real key to that is just getting people to understand the message you're saying without them feeling attacked. I feel like having these conversations, the other side, you know, who we're aiming these messages at might just be, feeling attacked and that's part of the reason why they don't understand these messages they just go on the defensive about it they just get more stubborn like you guys have been saying into their values and into their convictions and just trying to have these uncomfortable conversations and try to have this open dialogue where we can both even if you totally you know they're coming from a perspective that you can never get behind or understand still being able to at least listen to them and at least try to I guess not I guess try to see where they're coming from even if you don't understand it or even if you don't agree with it at least trying to listen and see where they're coming from I think is a big aspect of this and trying to have this dialogue having it a respectful dialogue is kind of tough right now we've seen over the last few years we've really become a divisive country and it's become a lot of black and white which side do you stand on if you're on this side of the fence then I can't even mess with you if you're on the other side of the fence and it shouldn't be that way we should have it as we're able to listen to each other's sides, listen to each other's values. And even if we don't agree with each other's values, at least have that conversation to see why you think that way and see see how we can, you know, maybe help broaden your perspective and help you know, share my side of the story to how I feel and how you make me feel and why you think, uh, why, why do you think I'm attacking you? And why are you so defensive about something? So I think having those uncomfortable conversations, you know, in a respectful manner and uh, is a real key to helping spread the message that we want to see and helping, you know, starting to enact change as well.
2: Compassion, love, and understanding. That's, uh, I think the main key thing and that was on the, uh, that was the on the hood of Bubba Wallace's Black Lives Matter car. So like uh I don't know if you guys watch NASCAR or not, but you know, when when uh when Bubba Wallace, uh the only black driver uh in the entire uh level of NASCAR rolled out a Black Lives Matter car, you know, they went at that man. You know, they they said keep politics out of sports, uh, you know, or this, that, and the third, you know, the typical like uh whatever. However, it's the same fan base that got excited when Donald Trump was their grand marshal at their first race of the year. It's the same fan base where there's a couple drivers who rock Trump 2020 cars and no one has a problem with it. So my thing is, is like, you got to keep that same energy uh, for both political sides. If you want to keep politics out of sports, fine, but make sure, remember, this goes two ways. and And, you know, the fact that they don't want it to go two ways is a problem. So it's just like so if it doesn't fit your political agenda, all of a sudden you're against it. So or, or you just don't want it in sports in general. Like, you know, at the end of the day, when these people go home, there's you know, they're, they're people like off the field, off the court, off the rink, uh, out of their cars. They're people, too. And they they go through what we go through, too. Money doesn't change it. Imagery doesn't change it. They're still people.
1: Yeah. And the fact that, you know, you see NASCAR races and they still fly a lot of Confederate flags. A lot of fans were still flying a lot of Confederate flags, you know, before this past year. And just think about how insane that is. We know what the Confederate flag stands for. The guy who made the Confederate flag talked about how it was a symbol of white supremacy. And we see that flag flown at, you know, sporting events where, You know, there there are black people and black drivers, even if Bubba Wallace might be the only black driver in NASCAR, he's still a black driver and he has to see imagery of a Confederate flag. So the fact that that's still in the landscape of sports, but yet we're supposed to keep politics out of sports or not supposed to have these conversations about race in sports. But yet a a Confederate flag could be flown at a NASCAR race when we know what that symbolizes and what that stands for. It's just kind of contradictory in the sense of it.
2: And luckily, people like Bubba Wallace is a great uh, role model to have because he challenged NASCAR to ban the Confederate flag, and they did so. They they listened to him. They finally banned it. And if uh, they catch a fan with the Confederate flag, there will be serious repercussions, they say. So, you know, of course, a fans always trying to find a loophole. So, like, one time at a race, they flew the Confederate flag, like, they had a, like a plane and they had a Confederate flag attached to it. And I'm just like, people will go all out just to get their point across. So it's just like, and, but it worked for them. But, you know, at the same time, I I admire people like Bubba Wallace who are just trying to make a difference in the sport or we go to the sport of hockey. Like, you know, I talked about Curtis Gabriel. I admire what he's trying to do. Uh, PK Subban wearing his hat saying, change the game, you know, Uh, Representation is important in in this day and age. My mentor, Ever Fitzhugh, who's going to be the Seattle Kraken radio play-by-play announcer, the first black uh, hockey announcer, I see what Seattle Kraken is doing on their social media feed, just trying to make a difference, you know, just trying to reach out. They recently did a collab with Black Girls Hockey Club and sold a lot of beanies. Too bad I couldn't get mine because they sold out instantly. But still, that was a really good representation. And, you know, that's why I tell people representation is important. The reason why protests should continue to be a big part of sports is just because, like I said, um, you know, a few moments ago, which is representation is important. So it's like, you know, if you just go about your day and just say nothing's wrong and, you know, we're just going to continue to play our sport, you're part of the problem. You're not acknowledging real world issues. So. My thing is, is that, you know, when we talk about representation, when we see our idols just acknowledging that the world is not right right now, you know, that's uh, that's important. And, you know, that's uh, what we want to see. That's what we want to um, continue to see. And, you know, just the, the fact that we acknowledge that these these athletes, these athletes who, you know, are on TV a lot, have all these endorsement deals, you know, have all these like, you uh, you know, shoe deals like and, you know, we see that they're acknowledging that there's a problem in the world. That's really important because it's just like, you know, we we just think that they, when, when someone becomes like successful or well known that they just forget what it's like to, you know, live the quote unquote normal life or, you know, they don't go through those same issues. And that's not the case. Like, you know, they still go through what uh, I go through. So like um, just imagery and 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 finance doesn't change a thing like you know it, it really doesn't like at the end of the day they can still be you know judged based on the color of their skin there's a lot of people in the world who don't know who they are so it's just like you know like if if you're just wearing like a sweatshirt or sweats you blend right into the crowd so it's just like representation is really important in this day and age and that's what I like to see from athletes, just using their platform to make a difference. And one thing I have to acknowledge about Colin Kaepernick is, in 2016, he made a huge mistake. He got a lot of attention, but he didn't vote, and that's a problem. You can you cannot not want uh, you know you you cannot want to make a difference and not vote. That's a dangerous game to play, especially with the platform you're on. And I think he learned his lesson in 2020, you know, with the Biden and Trump election, where I think it is. I think he did. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I I told you I had a family member who didn't vote. And that's a problem. I remember in 2016, my my brother and his uh, friend, they went out into like the city of Detroit to try to gather people to vote. And 20 people, at least 20 people said they weren't going to vote. And that's a problem. But now that we saw in 2020 with all these athletes saying vote, 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 that was important,
1: mm-hmm. and I think another simple answer as to why protests are going to continue in sports is because racism, discrimination, police brutality—none of that stuff is going anywhere—and that's still going to be in the forefront of our everyday lives. And this upcoming generation, this new generation of athletes, I think they're just more outspoken, and they they want to see the change, and they have and you know, athletes in the past want to see change too. guys like Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but the athletes of today, they also have the resources that those guys might have not had. These guys, they're making, you know, millions and millions of dollars and they have the money, they have them funding to go enact real change. And so I think we're going to see, we're going to continue to see the protests in sports because these athletes now, they know what kind of weight their voice has. They know what kind of, how much you know power they they do have in terms of society as black men's with the black men with the kind of money and resources they have they know what kind of power they do wield in society and so i think they will continue to protest and will continue to try to enact change because they have the platform to do it they have the exposure to do it and they have the resources to do it and i think they want to see that change for themselves and their lives and for the generations that come after them so i think right now we're just in a like a a fork in the road in, in, in our time in human history. And I think we're going to see, you know, after 2020, I think we will see this continue and we will see progress really start to start to be made. And hopefully down the line, we, you know, these conversations become easier and we're able to have easier, uncomfortable conversations. I guess if if that's the right way to say it, I guess uh, what I'm trying to say, basically, I think this will be all easier to do hopefully down the line, because I think we're having more of these conversations that are going
0: to lead to more positive impacts down the line. You know, when we think about protests continuing in sports, I mean, we somewhat protest things not on a Mac on a large level, like what racism is, but maybe it may be a more minor part of your life. You may protest a restaurant. You may protest um, certain things that go that you do on a regular basis, someone else may do it. Oh no, no, something happened here. It was wrong. They haven't made it right. We're going to do X, Y, and Z to make sure that doesn't happen again, or we don't give give them any more of our money. Well, we do it. We do it so much to minor things. Sometimes people forget that the major things they sometimes deserve some type of backing away from or some type of standing up to because they're wrong. And with racism or racial injustice or whatever words you want to describe what has gone on in our country, at some point, somebody needs to say, no, stop. And if not, we have, we're going to keep going further and further until something does happen. And I do think that today's athlete, this younger generation, via social media and the platforms that they have, their own name, their own brand that they have, that they're building themselves aside from the athlete that they that they are, they know that they're trying to find the proper way or find different ways to utilize social media as a major avenue to stop what is going on, what has gone on in our country. And I do think it's going to continue in what ways, I'm not sure. But smarter people, these athletes are very smart. They're going to find ways to make a difference in their own communities on a consistent basis.
1: Yeah, and the social media point's a great one because – It's really become a real weapon in today's today's society. I mean, we've seen people get canceled, you know, via Twitter because of things they said in public. It gets recorded. It gets put on Twitter. Someone goes find their name. Someone goes find someone finds their job. And now they get fired. And, you know, we see, you know, social media could be like a forest fire where it spreads uh, pretty rapidly information. So these athletes with the branding, like you said, that they have the platform that they have. They have millions of followers. LeBron James, he has. I don't even know, but he has like somewhere probably around 20 million followers on Twitter, millions of followers across other platforms. So he can easily spread his message to, to to millions of people across America, across the world and let people know where he stands, let people know his message and what he wants to do with his life and with his platform of how he wants to enact that change and how, we, you know, we should be having these conversations and those uncomfortable conversations. And when you do have a platform like a LeBron James or other athletes have on social media, it's just so much easier and you're so much more accessible to people to spread the message that you want to say. So I think social media has just become a real weapon in today's society for spreading the message that you want to do and spreading the message that you want to say.
2: Currently, LeBron James has 49.1 million followers on uh, Twitter. So, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, the amount of followers we have, I think, yeah, another X factor in the importance of change is social media, because we think we see things that, you know, can spread like uh, wildfire and, you know, just, uh, you know, with recording now, it makes everything a little like, you know, at least we got this crime on tape, or, you know, whatever the case might be. So, uh, social media definitely does play a factor, like like what you guys said. I think you guys pretty much uh, hit all the points. So, you know, we saw with, like, Blackout Tuesday uh, over the summer after what happened to George Floyd. Um, uh, you know, just athletes uh, communicating with their fan base and celebrities communicating with their fan base, letting them know how they stand, or just fan bases communicating amongst one another, just saying, like, you know, uh, this is happening and this is what we uh, need to change. And I think social media, you know, it, it, it's so weird. Social media can either, you know, be to the det- detriment of others or, um, you know, whatever to, or, or it can help in the long run. So, you know, uh, there's so, sometimes, you know, we have to make that uh, decision on how we use it.
0: Interesting thing, talking about how things can pop up via social media and how social media nowadays can make a change. I think it was 2004. Now, this was not in the college level. It was NBA. I think we all can remember back to the Donald Sterling fiasco when those tapes got surfaced. And I don't know if it was social media where those got exposed or if it was somewhere else um, outside where somebody went said, hey, you need to listen to this. Uh, This is not right. Um, Our owner is doing X, Y and Z. And there were so many athletes, I think, and I can't name all of them, um, but there were so many athletes that came out that said, oh, this is right. This is true. And I have a record of how, memories of how he treated me while I was an employee at the team. Now, granted, I mean, owner-employee relationship, yes, but still I'm an athlete helping him make some money, and he's treating me this way. Helping him make a lot of money, helping that man get rich, and he's treating me this way. Think about if that happened now. 2014, Twitter was still around. IG was still around. Facebook was still, was still around. But think about if it happened now. I think it would be a lot bigger, a lot bolder. And the response from both sides, no matter what, no matter what you think is right or wrong, would be a lot louder now with the way that social media is utilized now. I think now is a great word to utilize because now we can make a difference in a bigger way because of what social media has allowed us to do. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, to go to go off of what you said. Yeah, social media was around then, but it was a little different. So like now we, we use social media as a tool to communicate like, you know, uh, we, we use it a locked on like, you know, we, we utilize social media really well to communicate amongst one another or, you know, keep everyone in the loop of what's going on for our respective shows. So and with that, we can also use it to express like our political or, you know, what, wh- whatever the case might be, just to, you know, get the word out or just bring awareness. So yes, social media was around in 2014. But you're right, it was a lot different then. And it would be a whole lot different if that whole scandal were to happen in 2021.
1: Yeah. And one of the issues with social media is that it can be an echo chamber, you're going to follow people who probably align with your values and what you believe in. So you're not always going to see that other perspective and you're not always going to see that other side. And I think that's part of the divide that we have is because we only see so much of our daily content of just what we see and what we believe. And we're not seeing that other side. So there's there's a whole nother side to social media that we don't always tap into. And there's also just a lot of misinformation on social media. We saw our own former president be banned on Twitter because of so much misinformation that he was putting out there. So I think also disseminating What's true and what's not has become so hard in today's society because there's just so much real fake news out there and so much misinformation out there. So I think disseminating between the two has become really tough in today's society. And I think that's one of the the negatives that we do see with social media. That's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Come back later in the week where I'm going to discuss Is it Carson Kelly's make-or-break season? And we're going to wrap it up with Aaron Layton. We talk a little bit about Zach Gallen, so stay tuned for that. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. And remember, February is Black History Month, and the Lockdown Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Lockdown Presents More Than the Game. This week, we have two conversations for you to wrap up the month. You guys heard one of them today. First, a discussion on protests in sports across leagues. That's what you heard today. But make sure you tune in for a discussion. Make sure you tune in for the discussion on the importance of black history in sports. What's been achieved and the important work left to be done. All in discussion on the Lockdown Presents podcast feed. Subscribe on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. Deuces!